A new warning tonight about the scope of a massive cyber attack. Uh, already believed to be the largest cyber attack on our government. A so-called supply chain attack gave hackers access to potentially thousands of targets. One of the biggest espionage campaigns recently discovered. This is C-Suite, the podcast where you'll hear stories from real people, leaders, and cybersecurity experts about how to stay connected and protected. Every episode, we'll explore different cyber challenges and highlight the many ways we can enhance our online security, reduce the likelihood of attacks, and improve our digital confidence. I'm your host, Claudette McGowan. When we thought about launching our C-Suite podcast, we considered what theme or topic would be the most important to launch with. We considered ransomware, robocalls, even phishing. But in December 2020, the cyber industry encountered one of the most significant hacks of all time. So we made the decision to pivot and address what cybersecurity professionals and regular people deal with every day, the uncertainty and unpredictable nature of cybersecurity. No two days are alike. On December 8th, 2020, the cyber industry was shocked to learn about arguably its biggest breach of all time. A hack that appeared to target FireEye, one of the world's leading cybersecurity firms. FireEye is down hard here in the after hours, saying that it was breached by suspected nation-state hackers who acted, they say, clandestinely using methods that counter security tools and forensic examination. Says working with the FBI in this ongoing now investigation, no evidence, they say, that customer data was exfiltrated from primary systems that store such information. It was calculated, planned, and left the cyber industry with more questions than answers. From day one, FireEye's CEO, Kevin Mandia, was in the middle of the breach. He fought to keep his company and clients safe. While speaking publicly, I sat down with Kevin to get a better understanding of what happened. Yeah, how we detected it, you know, quite frankly, it just popped on my calendar. Hey, you've got a security brief. And I didn't even really notice it till five minutes prior to it starting. And I didn't really know that that brief was going to change the outcome of, you know, the next few weeks of my life. But here's how we detected it. It was somebody logging into our network using a valid credential, you know, a user ID and passphrase that worked. But they were using a newly registered phone for that account. And one of our security professionals, you know, internal security employees, they noticed, hey, this person has two phones registered to them. Why is that? And called the person up and literally said, hey, why do you have two phones registered? And I don't know exactly how the conversation went. They might have just asked, hey, is that you really logging in? And the person said no. And that was our trigger. And what was interesting to me is the severity level for somebody accessing our network that had multiple devices was a severity level of zero. 
for those familiar with the decimal system, zero is a low number. In hindsight, it probably should be a higher severity level. But we literally, in our event logger, this had as low a severity as you could have. The reason I escalated right away, same day, to、uh, my board and others was the fact that the, whoever was doing this had to have already been in our network. They had chosen to go back out of it, and they were choosing to access our network the way we do. So let's put this in context. For years, FireEye has been a leader in cybersecurity, not only for global organizations, but for government agencies. Your investigators have called out countless attacks from foreign intelligence. Some might even say that this puts a target on FireEye's back. If you had to guess, Kevin, who did this, and why? I don't know who they actually are by name,、uh, what they may have been tasked to do, but it is very obvious they went after our red team tools. So I think first and foremost, we want to know more about the threat actors than anybody. So what we do to know more about the threat actors than anybody is, I believe, in red teaming. You know, and what that means is the simulation of attacks to get unvarnished truth. Can my network be compromised? Yes or no. So there's many companies that use red teaming to understand and prioritize their security posture. What do we have to do next? Based on and here here would be an example.、Uh, a, a utility may hire us and say, "Can you break in and not just break into the network? That's called a penetration test. A red team, it's break in with a purpose, break in to get to an industrial control system." And that would be our test. Or, or at a vendor, might say, "Can you break in and get to credit card data?" And so it's breaking in and having objectives. Second thing is you want to learn from the red teams in the world by responding to every breach that matters, and that's very strategically important to FireEye. Own the front lines of cybersecurity breaches. What happened gives you the best in threat intelligence and gives you ingrained knowledge as to what threat actors are doing today to circumvent common safeguards or even less common safeguards in security, and、uh, also what to do about it. And then the third thing we do to know more about threat actors than anybody is we have over 200 threat analysts that speak over 30 languages, located in over 20 countries, that help us try to get attribution and categorization of every breach that we respond to. And that's very important as well because I think if you want to have significant impact on the doctrine and rules of engagement in cyberspace, you have to do a lot more than just make technology. You have to have an opinion or even the knowledge of who did it and how to hold people or governments accountable to the actions that they're taking. Know more about the threat actors than anybody else, and then to make products that stop those attacks that we're aware of. Like many people, I've been following the news carefully. And if the reports are accurate, the threat actors got into FireEye through one of your supply chain partners. It's important to understand what happened here is that the attackers were a nation state, and they broke into SolarWinds. And in October of 2019, did a dry run. You know, we found、uh, an example of the SolarWinds platform that had an innocuous code added to it, which shows me the attackers had access. To the SolarWinds build platform, but they wanted to make sure that their access allowed provisioning of their malware in the real world, and so they wanted to make sure that their code could go into production. 
So they did a test of innocuous code in October of 19, and then it takes all the way to March of 2020 before there's a malicious implant. This implant was designed specifically for solar winds. It was designed specifically for the attacks and campaigns that this threat actor did from March onward. And meaning it masqueraded and made its traffic look exactly like SolarWinds traffic would look. So this is not something that's going to be common. However, I think it'll happen again because it's so effective for cyber espionage campaigns. So we can expect that it'll happen again, but it won't happen all the time because of the cost and difficulty in being able to execute an offensive campaign with an implant. It's very rare where someone proves an implant like we did in this case, and where we found 4,000 lines of code and we can show that it happened. It's very expensive for the attacker to have this kind of implant. Wow. Here's what we know so far from our conversation with Kevin. The FireEye breach was a planned attack. The hackers used a sophisticated implant to break into the network through a supplier. After a routine follow-up, FireEye discovered the breach and reacted immediately. With all hands on deck, they regained control of their network and went public with the breach. To get to the bottom of exactly what happened, I decided to bring in my colleague, David, a former U.S. intelligence agent. Here's what he had to say about the FireEye story. This one's interesting because if if you read the media news on cyber events and different things like that, cyber events happen every day, right? There's always some breach that's happening. There's always some malware campaign, some organization that's been impacted by ransomware. But but really, once or twice a year, you get a significant cyber event, right? And those are the ones where they either have a far-reaching impact into the communities, right, globally, or they're somewhat of a kind of a foundational game changer. But as more and more details came out, this was something that, you know, my first reaction was, wow, this is huge. It's incredibly brilliant how the attack was actually executed. And something where, you know, from a, a defender perspective, but also from an adversary perspective, when you look at it, you know, you really have to respect the tenacity, the planning, and the forethought that went into an attack such as this. I mean, this was just so sophisticated and so widespread and so pervasive that it really does make you kind of pause and say, okay, you know, maybe we have to rethink certain aspects of security and how we actually tackle this and how we manage some of the risks. So the initial response was, is this something, you know, and then as more details come out, you you really kind of sit back and, and gain a whole new respect for not only the, the threat actor that, that perpetrated the attack, but also the complexity and the skill with which it was executed. Even though the attack method itself was complex, David, you've said the way it happened was actually quite simple. Yeah, so when when you think about it, right, it's one of those things where you wonder how such, you know, such an attack can occur. And really, it's actually quite simple, right? It's it's essentially a supply chain attack. Companies and, and even individuals, we all have supply chains. Whether it's you go to the grocery store and you get groceries, you know, that's part of your supply chain. Um, Whether you have packages delivered and whether you allow, you know, the delivery person to put the package in your garage, put the package in your house. But essentially, 
The supply chain attack in this instance leveraged a piece of software that was deployed in a number of different in environments, right? Thousands, tens of thousands of environments globally. Um, it was a, a network management software. And essentially what the adversaries were able to do is compromise the code and implement a backdoor as part of an update in the code so that when the, the software update is deployed out and everybody that has a phone or anything like that, you know, you install updates and everything like that and you trust that update. So using your analogy, David, the hackers got a hold of a package, in this case, a piece of software. They secretly implanted the package with a virus. Then the package went out for delivery, in this case, a software update, and people accepted the package into their homes, no questions asked. You trust that update because that update is coming from whatever that phone manufacturer or whatever that software manufacturer is. We're always taught in cybersecurity and in our everyday lives, you know, trust the update, install the update. And so you do that because the, the update's coming from that, you know, trusted entity, that publisher of that software. And in this instance, right, because the, the publisher of that software update had a backdoor in it, it was trusted and installed on, on a number of different networks. And then because that backdoor was there, the adversary was essentially then able to gain access, remote access into the networks and then go ahead and kind of, you know, perpetrate their attack from there, move laterally across the networks and other things like that. So this attack was unique, and not only unique for the average citizen, it was unique for one of the world's leading cybersecurity firms. The hackers spent months implanting themselves into FireEye's network. They used sophisticated methods to go unnoticed, methods that would cost a lot of money, potentially government money. Kevin's description of what happened brings forth one key takeaway. Attention to detail is so important. If it wasn't for that internal security professional doing their routine follow-up, the breach may have continued to go undetected. But once it was identified, FireEye faced a race against time to regain control of their network. Here's what they did next. My biggest concern at that time was we just didn't know how they broke in or what they did. And so you don't know if this is going to be an intrusion about revenge, an intrusion to humiliate FireEye, maybe even, even though I didn't think it would be one about ransomware because they would have done it. And that's a lot faster timeline. I almost just went right into work mode. The situation was familiar to us. At the time that we triggered our incident response, I can't say I was surprised. I can't say I was happy or unhappy. I think I went clinical on it quite frankly, and said, here's what we got to do. And I think the team, to their credit, uh, we maintained that kind of mindset. Let's treat this like every other breach and figure out what the heck happened. I think one of the first things I did, and I didn't have any trouble doing it, is guys, don't second guess this. This is an absolute breach. Um, this isn't, don't try to disprove it. All hands on deck. So I think it was an absolute race to get answers and an absolute race to regain control of our network from unauthorized access. We caught the attacker midstream. They weren't necessarily done with their mission, uh, but this is also an attack group that in my opinion values operational security potentially more than mission accomplished. Meaning if you detect them, 
it is more probable than not they seize their activities on your network. Uh, that's not always the case, depending on who you are, but it is often the case. After FireEye set up a team to investigate the breach, there was only one thing left to do, go public with the information. What I was very pleased with was we never really considered not disclosing. It was unanimous across both the board and our internal management team. You got to protect people. And knowing that our red team tools were taken, I didn't consider not disclosing it. So very early on in this breach, but I wrote down just what's going to govern our decision-making process. At least I needed like a simple way to prioritize our decisions and execute. And I'm forgetting the exact words, but I literally wrote it down on a whiteboard. And it was protect our customers, protect critical infrastructure. And ultimately, you could expand it to just protect everyone. And that's what we're all about in security. We're not just a software company, we're a security company. That changes things. Going public was the right move for FireEye. Not only did they react immediately, but they were completely transparent with the public, businesses, and their internal teams. For David, FireEye's transparency not only helped to inform and protect the public, it also repositioned them as a leader in our field. Let's hear what David had to say. I really commend FireEye for how they responded to this and, and reacted. Not only was their communication timely, was it clear? Not only were they out there saying, here's what we know today, here's what's actually happened, here's what we think the impact is. They also proactively released. And this isn't something that they had to do, but they did it. I think when you look at you know the contribution to the greater defense of the, the cyber community, but release tools that says, take these tools, implement them into your environments. Here's how you're gonna detect some of these things. Here's what we know. And then it didn't just stop there, right? There was this kind of continuous communication that, that was you know, happening that they were sharing out with the larger community. And that you really have to respect that because as more details of the attack became known and it became obviously much broader than just FireEye, right? I mean, this attack, although impacted FireEye and, and FireEye really were the, the groundbreakers of it, it was very, very broad. And FireEye still was that industry leader out there talking about this. And I think it was, it was really a good example of what, what to do and how to do it the right way. After going public and taking action, it soon became apparent that FireEye was not the only target. There's a lot of folks out of harm's way in regards to this threat actor. They're, they're, they've got their targets they've, and they select them carefully. So, and again, even with the SolarWinds breach and the implant that this attack group had, they had access to over 18,000 companies, but there's only maybe 40 or 50 that are what we call stage two, where there's a threat actor interacting with the implants at those 18,000 companies. So the funnel goes from 18,000 possible victims down to 50. So what can we learn from this breach? How can businesses protect themselves from this type of attack moving forward? Here's David on what companies and everyday people can do to safeguard their supply chains and mitigate risk. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really starts with like, you know, something like this, educating yourself, educating yourself and saying, okay, wow, that's something I've really read a lot about. How did this actually happen? How do I identify the risk, right? When it, when it comes to third parties, right, every company has a supply chain and there's risks to that supply chain, whether you're manufacturing something and you need to make sure that you have enough materials from a manufacturing perspective, technology is no different, right? You have a technology supply chain regardless of who you are. I mean, we as individuals have a technology supply chain, right? We install patches and buy new hardware and stuff for our homes. And the risks to those supply chains need to be understood and you have to manage that risk, right? And so you have to understand what sensitive information the third party potentially has, what access into your network they have, and how do you take those risks that you identify and say, okay, here's how I'm going to mitigate it, whether it's understanding what controls that third party has in place, whether it's additional controls that you put in place. Um, and so really what you've got to do is start with the education, identify those risks, and then come up with a plan to manage it. And everybody's environment and, and situation is going to be slightly different depending on what their digital supply chain looks like. But really you have to take the time to break it down, understand where those potential entry points are, or potential areas where your information might be held and could be compromised, and then go ahead and implement those controls to better protect it. The last company you'd expect to be breached is a cybersecurity firm. But the FireEye attack shows us that cybersecurity is evolving and these challenges can happen to anyone. After speaking with Kevin and David about this breach, here are three key takeaways. First, attention to detail matters. Routine checkups can identify hackers hiding in the background. Even if they turn up clean 99% of the time, that 1% could be a lifesaver. Second, transparency is key. By going public immediately, FireEye was able to better protect its stakeholders and position itself as a continued leader in the cybersecurity field. Lastly, don't underestimate the power of education. By understanding how attacks happen and where they come from, businesses and individuals can identify risks in their own supply chains and create a plan to stop attacks before they take place. I want to thank our guests, Kevin Mandia of FireEye and David for joining me today. And thank you for listening to C-Suite. Make sure to leave us a five-star rating and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm Claudette McGowan. Tune in for our next full episode on February 18th. And remember, with over 4 billion of us online, we have to do everything possible to keep ourselves connected and protected.